Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets. Uh, we're also the official Dolphins content provider here of FinFanatic.com and the Fan Sided Network as well. We are 19 days away from the NFL draft. We're continuing with our position by position breakdowns for the Dolphins here. And we've gone through quarterback and interior defensive line here so far. But we're going to jump into the good stuff here today and this weekend. We're going to do wide we're going to do receivers and tight ends today, which is really receivers and Kyle Pitts. Um, and we're going to do running backs here starting tomorrow. But Paul, before we get to that, and this kind of leads into what we've been, you know, what we're going to talk about here with the receivers after the top four guys. A question that I threw out there and to Twitter that got a lot of attention was this. Um, so to take a step back, there's talk out there that the Reds, or excuse me, Washington is very, very interested and in love with Trey Lance. And they obviously picked 19th in the NFL draft. Dolphins pick sixth. I do not expect the Dolphins to trade down because they've already traded back up from 12 to six. My question that I pr proposed is, would you let, let's say that the, the first five picks are uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones goes third to the Niners. I, I think that'll happen. A lot of people disagree. Number four, Justin Fields to the Falcons. Number five, Ch uh, Jamar Chase or Penay Sewell. Uh, they're at five dolphins are sitting there at six. Kyle Pitts is still on the board. Okay. Would you accept from Washington to move from six to 19, a first or uh, a second rounder this year, a first rounder in 2022 and a first rounder in 2023 from the, for the swap from six to 19. Hey, Dolphins fans, this podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you are doing something good for your body. We start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then we blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper, for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it's friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, we've been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. We're offering up to 15% off when you use code MINUTE at EarthEchoFoods.com slash MinuteMedia. Follow on Twitter at the Danette May and at EarthEchoFoods. God, it would be hard to say no. Um, 
I mean, it's tough. I think if Washington's going to give up all that, they probably would have reached out to Atlanta first, um, trying to see if they could go up there. I don't, you know, it's... I'd, mm, I'd probably take it, but it would hurt a little bit because Pitts is still on the board, and I think what a difference maker he is for this offense down the road. Um, I know you've, you've mentioned before about how if they use that to move on from Gesicki, it's a problem, but he also is that emergency release valve if they do have to move on from Gesicki, um, which we don't know if they're going to do or not yet. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, it's tough. It's very tough, and it's hard. It's it's weird to say that about a tight end in the top ten, but it's he is just such a difference making prospect uh, that yeah. If you're looking at Kyle Pitts and saying that the Dolphins could be sitting here in five, six years, and it's having two extra first rounders and a second rounder still wouldn't be worth the value of trading down. I could see that being the case with Kyle Pitts, but probably only Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I would think that in, in a situation like that, I, I would take the trade. I, I absolutely would very simply because I would rather have one of these second tier receivers mm-hmm. like uh, Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman yeah. and two firsts and a second over anybody that the Dolphins take at six. But I would understand two Dolphins fans thinking, like, are we ever going to draft a top player here? And now we've moved all around and in a year with all these weapons here. Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. We didn't come away with any of them. Like, we just got more picks down the road again. So I, I could understand both ways. So it, it was very, very split um, when I asked that question. I didn't expect it to be that split or get that big of a reaction. So that kind of leads into what we're talking about here today as far as really the tiers are concerned, because everyone knows who the top four pass catchers are in no particular order. Uh, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. Those are the top four guys. But a consensus is also emerging, too, where it's really the top nine pass catchers that everybody's agreeing on. And that that group in, includes in no particular order. Um, yeah, obviously, you've got Pitts, Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. Then you've got Rashad Bateman. Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Kadarius Toney. Um, and then kind of a drop-off into a very, very deep receiving class here. So, Paul, looking at that top nine, I, I know you'd go – Bucks, I'll, I'll let you take it. How would you rank those top nine guys for you? I mean, God, it, it flexes all around. And, and, and what I'll say is Kyle Pitts is my clear-cut number one, and that's whether you want to call him a wide receiver or a tight end. Um, but after that, it's Chase, Waddle, and Smith are kind of flat for me. Um, it's really a pick your poison with them. I think I've got Jamar a little bit ahead of, of the other two right now. Um, so for, for literally this moment, I've got it Chase, Waddle, and then Smith. Um, but if you ask me again, as soon as we close the show, it may be Smith, Waddle, Chase, or Smith, Chase, Waddle. I mean, it, it's they're that close to each other, and it really depends on what you want to do. Now, what I'll say here is if you're out on Kyle Pitts or Kyle Pitts is gone, and the Dolphins are going to take one of those top three receivers, if you're looking to do what a lot of Dolphins fans want to do, 
Uh, and one of the things I did when I was making my list for the show is I started highlighting some of the players. If you're trying to move on from Jakeem Grant, it pigeonholes you a little bit in this receiver class to the guys that you're going to look to go after. And, you know, there's no better way at that point than to go for Jalen Waddle out of the top three. Yeah, I think that's well said. And it, when it comes to Waddle, even though he might be the f- consensus fourth guy in this group, you know, including Pitts, he may be, as far as just immediate need and immediate fit, might make the most sense. This is the fastest player in the draft. I don't care what 40 times say. Yeah, they, they did GPS tracking uh, with him, and he was the fastest guy. And he, you watch him, too. In the first four games of the year for Alabama, he had 25 catches for 557 yards in four games. Devontae Smith had 483 yards. So Waddle was emerging until he had the ankle injury as really the top guy uh, there for Alabama against somebody in Devontae Smith who won the Heisman Trophy. Now, I have them ranked, these top four guys, I've got them ranked Chase 1A, Kyle Pitts 1B. I would be thrilled with either one. I still think Chase is going to go fifth to the Bengals. Then very, very close with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. You know, it, my one of my concerns with Devontae Smith, too, if as with him coming to the Dolphins, Paul, is if you have Smith at 170 pounds, Will Fuller at 172, and you've got Devontae Parker, a clear boundary guy, who's going to be moving into the slot in that situation? I I, I struggle with that. Yeah, it's – I mean, you could run Fuller out of the slot or you put Gasicki in the in the slot or eh. – Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, yeah. Who, who knows on that. But it's – you know, Devontae Smith, I, I hesitate to talk about him a lot because uh, I, I end up saying – like arguing a point that I'm not trying to make. I think he's unbelievably talented. I've always liked him. I liked him more than Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy last year. I think he set, he has the two skills that to me are the most important uh, in, in, in a wide receiver, and that's route running and separation. That's how you get deep in the NFL, not just lining up and blazing the guy across from you. If that were the case, Anthony Schwartz from Auburn would be a first-round pick here, but he's not going to be. And I actually think his his frame as well allows him to get separation off the line quickly because he can get in and out of routes so quickly. So that's the positive of him. So, and I'm not convinced that his frame at 170 pounds is going to cause him problems at the NFL level, but I'm not convinced it won't either. When you look at the playthrough strength, when he gets into the secondary, is he going to get boxed out a little bit more easily? I saw that on a couple of plays here at Alabama. So yeah, Waddle, I'm very close on Chase and Pitts. Then I'm very close on Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Yeah, it's, I mean, and look, I tend to be one of those people that while I'm a traditionalist with football, I also am not in the way that some, some folks are. I think you have a limited number of people that you can't design an offense where you line them up in the slot. Um, and I like when they put guys that shouldn't belong in places in those places and make defenses have to think and adjust. Because the moment you start making defenses think and adjust, you're starting to take the advantage away from them. Um, so 
I, you know, you've got three great receivers. You can find a way to get them on the field. Um, yeah, I saw. I mean, last year we talked about T. Higgins uh, too, and I, I I had him low, a lot lower than you did because I thought if you draft him, where are you going to put him in an offense with Parker and Preston Williams? Well, a year later, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a year later, I could be thinking, well, <laughs> if they had that opportunity and they could have drafted him, um, you know, with one of their three first round picks, he could have figured it out. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, a. Uh, it's, I, I see your point on that. Um, so this second group of receivers, Paul, kind of that five through nine here, again, I, th- I think everybody's got kind of the same guys, uh, in no particular order, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, Rondell Moore, Kadarius Tony. You've got five players who are very, very, very different on there. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, looking back to our top 18 boards here, looks like you've got Rondale Moore. Uh, at the top there, Rashad Bateman. And then in your final three, you've got, uh, how, how would you rank Terrace Marshall, well, Katarius Tony? You don't even want to try to, to speak to my rankings because that's so like a week ago. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you take it. How, how do you, how do you, how do you, ta- how do you rank these guys here? And where would you stack them? Right now, I've got it, Rashad Bateman. Uh, Kadarius Tony, then Rondale and Elijah Moore, um, Terrace Marshall coming in ninth. But there's a couple little asterisks there. Um, I think that for one, Kadarius Tony is probably the best fit for this group, only because I think guys like Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddle, Kadarius Tony, um, guy we'll talk about later, Jalen Darden, uh, Tutu Atwell. I think they fit the mold that we're starting to see the Dolphins with Greer and Flores move towards, which isn't just a positionless defense. Um, It's a positionless offense as well, where you can line Kyle Pitts up at H-back, tight end, slot, out wide, you know, and, you know, Jalen Waddle, you can line him up all over the formation. You can line him up outside, inside. You could probably throw him in the backfield for a few plays. You know, you name it. Kadarius Tony, you can move him anywhere. He can play boundary or interior easily. Um, Jalen Jalen Darden's the same way, and a couple others we're going to talk about. And I think that fits the mold that the Dolphins are moving towards. Now, the other mold we've seen from the Dolphins in, in, in their draft picks over the past year or two is they take guys with high upside that haven't realized their potential yet that they think they can get the most out of with their coaching staff. And... There's no one in this draft more suited to that narrative than Terrace Marshall. Um, it, it's He has all the tools, all the skills, and really didn't show any red flags for it. Just, you know, was, was fighting through a crowded, back, or a crowded field in, in, in LSU and didn't really get his chance to shine. But when he did, he took advantage of it. So he could very easily be somebody that the Dolphins have a big red bullseye out on their draft board. Yeah, that that's would be a fascinating one because when you you look at last year when the Dolphins took Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogany in the first round, they fit that same old twenty to twenty one years old, uh, no off the field problems, still raw and developing. Yeah, I, I could see that. And, and uh, Terrace Marshall to me, he, he's he's an interesting guy. He he looks like Devonte Parker out there. He does. I mean, he is a good route runner for his size. But in the open field, he looks like he's running on stilts. It's kind of, it's funny to watch. Um, but he took over this year. He played for seven games with LSU. 
731 yards in seven games. So he really, really took over. And he didn't have Joe Burrow throwing throwing him the ball this year. So in terms of rawness, absolutely. Um, you know, I I look at the rest of the group here. Um, as far as the pecking order is concerned, I would have, after those first four guys, Chase, Pitts, Devontae Smith, and Waddle, I have Elijah Moore as clearly my fifth guy. And I, I just see special ability to separate with him right off the line of scrimmage. He may only be a slot guy. That's how he's pigeonholed. I think he could possibly play on the outside with that speed. 1,193 yards in eight games this year. Um, so having him and Will Fuller out there speed-wise at the same time, I think could be something very, very interesting. I think you can plug him in quickly there in the slot. Rashad Bateman may have the most limited upside of this group because he doesn't really have that that take the top off the defense type speed, but a very good and a very creative route runner gets just gets separation. And that again, that's one of the most important things. He he ran a four three nine. I don't think he plays to that speed, but still a very good player. Rondale Moore is to, I, I look at him, he's just he's so different than everybody. He's like the wide receiver. He's stocky. He's five foot seven. He runs a four two nine. I I don't think he's a pure just burner. I think he's more of like a Steve Smith, Golden Tate type of guy with with a little bit more speed to him. Only played in seven games over the last two years though too. But fascinating. But Kadarius Tony and this is the one player I look at in this group and saying I don't think he'll be a Miami Dolphin for a lot of reasons. I I. I Think of what the Dolphins look for in a player. And I can't see really a one-year guy off the field issues, all into social media and everything, um, you know, which is fine. But, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a rapper on the side. I, I, I look at Brian Flores and I think I just can't see him going Kadarius Tony's way. I kind of got to differ there. It's, I mean, look at what they just did with uh, what's uh, from Tennessee that they they traded for Isaiah Wilson. Isaiah Wilson. I mean, we've seen him do it at the running back spot. You know, he gives you your chance to show that you can shine if you've got talent and you're willing to to do the steps. And if not, he will punch your ass right then and there. Like he'll he'll walk out on the practice field and say, "Bye." Um, you know, it, it's we've seen him give the chances to folks and. Kadarius' issues, I mean, unless I missed something, Kadarius' issues off the field aren't that horrific. Are they? He, he was he was he was caught with a he was caught with a gun in his backseat. Okay. Well it, it, and, and hey look, I, I'm all for giving second chances too. Not I I'm very unwilling to give third chances. But yeah, the Dolphins have shown the willingness to give second chances too, to Isaiah Wilson, to Mark Walton and everything. But two things I'd argue too is number one, those blew up in his face. And number two, they didn't spend a first-round pick doing it. And I think you're going to have to do that here with Kadarius Tony. So if you get down to pick like 50 and Kadarius Tony falls, then I could see that being a possibility because the talent is certainly unreal. I mean, uh, just watching him break ankles this year. I mean, this is somebody that if he can put it together and put it together consistently and, and put the work in, yeah, there's no, there's not much doubt in my mind he's going to be a star. Yeah, no, I, I, you watch his tape; it's just special. I mean, I, I watch the wide receiver and tight end core and 
Florida, and I'm like, how did you guys not win the national championship? Because it's disgusting what they have at the skill positions. Um, but, yeah, no, like, I, I would absolutely give them a second chance. Um, I mean, you have to do your due diligence and, and make sure that, like, hey, you know, because who knows? Stupid things happen. Some of these kids are stupid in college. It's, you know, we talk about giving Micah Parsons a second chance. And, you know, if, if, if we're giving Micah Parsons a second chance, he did far worse than Kadarius Tony, and, and with both of those people, uh, the talent is there. It is evident, and if they're grown up from the stupid stuff they did at 17, 18 years old, it's worth a shot. Yeah, I still, I'm still not investing a first-round pick in it. Um, if he gets down to late into the second round, which I don't think he will, then that's something that that could be considered. I, I. He's more of a horizontal player, too, from sideline to sideline. He can make you miss. Vertically, I mean, he's certainly fast enough. He's certainly fast at everything, but I don't think he's kind of the pure straight-line vertical burner that, like, a Jalen Waddle is. So, yeah, he'll be one of the more interesting stories there on draft day. Paul, you know, we've got we've got a whole list of players here at, at wide receiver to kind of sort through here. So I'm curious, too, taking a look here at the rest of this list, you know, after you get past, you know, let's say uh, Elijah Moore or Terrace Marshall as your as the ninth guy, there's this hodgepodge. Which players have you looked at that you just can point to and say, I- I'm out on based on where they're projected? Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Uh, just I'm not a fan for him, for especially for the fit in Miami. Uh, Sage Surratt has just been disappointing to me this offseason. It's there, there's nothing huge with him, but he just I expected a little bit more in the measurables department for him, and I just didn't see it. I know a lot of Dolphins fans are in on Deami Brown. Um, I just, you're you're basically just drafting a Devonte Parker that I, I don't feel I, I feel gets less separation uh, overall at the NFL level. It, it, it's I, I'm out on him, and then. Tamori and Terry was somebody I really expected to be a lot more in on as the draft got closer, but the wide receiver class is too good, and ah, yeah, he's just <laughs> he's going to be a red zone guy maybe if you decide you want to go five wide in the red zone. Uh, what okay, do you have there? Yeah, um, yeah, I'll get to Deami De- Brown here in a minute. Um, I've got quite, I've got a, kind of a list here. So uh, I'm out on a few players. I'm out on Tutu Atwell, 155 pounds. No, I'm I'm no, uh, I'm I'm not. I I can't believe I keep seeing this guy projected like in the second round. I mean, it's 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 shocking to me. Um, then you've got um, Tylen Wallace. Uh, this is a very productive college receiver, over 3,300 yards receiving, but. Too much in, in the cons department, not enough in the pros. He's not a great athlete, didn't measure all that well. Um, and, you know, it, in the senior bowl practices, I thought he was a noticeably uh, poor route runner that week as well. Um, so I'm out on him. Um, let's see here. We've got uh, also uh, Seth Williams and Sage Surratt, I think, are just really um, – um, uh, 
contested catch guys. I think if Washington finds one of these guys in the middle rounds for Fitzpatrick, great fit, but not another contested catch guy wouldn't make a lot of sense. Anthony Schwartz will probably go day two. I just think he has, he's so unnatural and raw as a, as a receiver. I don't think he'll be able to just line up and burn people. Um, but he, maybe he could take the Marquise Goodwin path where he gets in as a track guy, stays around, stays around, and then third, fourth year, really the light clicks on for him. Uh, Amir uh, Smith-Marset as well and from Iowa is probably somebody I wouldn't draft. Uh, not not a lot of skills. I think he just was good at, at catching a lot of underneath passes at Iowa. I don't see a lot of separation, not a lot of deep speed, not a lot of yards after catch, nothing that's really going to have him stand apart. So I've chopped a lot of guys off there, and you have as well. Deami Brown is yeah. interesting. Before you talk about Deami Brown, I just have to say I read the wrong – I read my Tamori and Terry notes for Deami Brown. <laughs> so it's – I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go ahead on it, but disregard my Devontae Parker comment with, with Deami. Yeah, well – I'll, I'll give you a comparison. I'm still, here. I'm still out. Don't get me wrong. You're, you're still, I still hate him. Okay. All right. Um, Deami Brown, here's my comparison for him. James McKnight, if you remember him from the Dolphins. Yeah. yeah and, and I'll tell you what, he was one of the most frustrating players to watch for the Dolphins because he was great at everything that was hard to do as a receiver. He, he was 6'1", 200 pounds. He was blazing fast. He was great after the catch. Every, all the difficult things. He just couldn't run routes and catch the ball on, on short passes. There was one year for Miami. I think he had 55 catches. And um, what do you have? 112. He had three fumbles and I think five drops. That is an alarming rate. And and there was one against the Jets where he bobbled a screen and basically handed it off to Aaron Glenn for pick six. Uh, it, yeah. But you talk about somebody here who vertically, two seasons in a row of a thousand yards and over 20 yards of catch in each of two seasons. So he's somebody who can get deep. There's no doubt about it. He's right here on my list here. I've got him. There's so many receivers. I've got him 14th um, on here in that group. One player too, that I, I really just two players that I really like Paul quickly, Amari Rogers, uh, who, if you love Jarvis Landry, uh, this is kind of the reincarnation of Jarvis Landry. Great after the catch, stocky build, not blazing fast, but kind of a running back in a receiver's body. And Jalen Darden, who Mike Renner uh, said it perfectly on him, he's everybody's sleeper in the fourth round in America. Uh, in the fourth. I, I don't think he will either. Probably, probably a third, maybe even a little higher. But and he also the PFF said perfectly too, and I agree. The bounciness. In and out of his cuts is incredible to watch. He loses no, no speed. 23 broken tackles and 74 catches. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of talent there with Jalen Darden. Yeah, as I was gonna say, Jalen Darden is, is is not as horizontally talented as Kadarius Tony, but he's more vertically talented than Kadarius Tony, and and that's where I've started to pass on Kadarius a lot in a lot of mock drafts, even though I I do like him and think he is worth the reclamation. Um, and grab the Jalen Darden or, or even a Tutu Atwell later on who we've, we've talked about extensively. I mean, Tylen Wallace is one that I kind of go back and forth on whether I want him or not, even though I think he's insanely talented. Um, I think he, he, he and Jalen Darden could probably go in the second round pretty easily. Um, he, he's got a very small route tree, but he does really well with that route tree that he's got. 
and I'm not convinced he can get off the line. I I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's a tough sell there, but again, he, he's got talent in spades, and if if you can teach him to get off press, um, and expand his route tree, he might be a, a very big steal, um, even in the second round. Second round, okay. Uh, I yeah, I, I look at some of these. I think some he of these later, but he could. It, it's it's he and Dardner ones that could sneak into the top or the back end of the second round. Yeah, I I thought second round was possible before he didn't test very well, but you, you never know. Sometimes you could fall in love with one of these receivers if they fit. And yeah, he's productive. There's no doubt about that. Uh, again, over 3,300 yards over the last three seasons. That's that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I I'd still be out on him. Uh, you mentioned um, Armania St. Brown there, and his brother is Equinemia St. Brown for the Packers. His father was a like bodybuilding champion, like Mister Universe. He's good at everything. Uh, he's just doesn't stick out in one spot. He's he's his hands are fine. His you know he's five eleven, one ninety seven. That's passable. He was productive. He's a decent route. He's just like a B player across the board. That that's pretty much what he is. But that type of type of guy, I think you can find. That's why I wouldn't take him probably before the fourth round. Um, Dwayne Eskridge is is fascinating because. Um, First of all, this guy has been in college football forever. Do you remember that game where the Dolphins played the Seahawks in week one where Kenny Stills dropped that, like, 70-yard bomb? Oh, yeah. From there. Doesn't that seem like forever ago? Yep. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge's first college football catch was eight days before that game. Jesus. He's been been playing since 2016. Okay. So you're, telling, you're telling me he's been there since Steve Largent was catching passes for the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it. Um, he he is talented though, and you look at the Senior Bowl. I looked at all the the um, the routes run, the one on ones from Senior Bowl with him, and he looked like the best guy there. And there was some talent there. There's a lot of guys on this list there. Um, Who was our he coach? Played, Melvin? Uh, um, no, it was Adam Gase's first year in 2016. Oh, okay. Um, so that was Adam Gase. He, uh, Dwayne Eskridge caught his first college football pass before Adam Gase coached his first game in the NFL as a head coach. Yeah. <laughs> be, now, so he'll be almost 25 at the end of his rookie year, but he, he's got quite a resume. In 2019, he was a two-way player uh, there at, at Western Michigan, played cornerback and wide receiver. In 2020, um, you know, he had – what in six games he had over 760 receiving yards 43 rushing yards eight touchdowns as a receiver and he ran routes unbelievably well uh at senior bowl week which was supposed to be a knock on him so he reminds me a lot of santonio holmes uh in his ability just to sit down into routes but also get get vertical and get deep as well so he, uh, you know, I think he's somebody because of his age and size and level of competition, maybe could be a day three guy. Maybe he could go a little bit higher. Um, Nico Collins is somebody, Paul, I think we're higher on than a lot of other people. Um, you know, I, I think he gets lumped in with the Sage Surratt's and the Seth Williams, the contested catch guys. But I, I think there's more to him. And he is a giant perimeter receiver with, to me, underrated upside. I think you look at this group, if they were in the third, fourth round, if a star were to emerge in the Brandon Marshall mode, I think that would be Nico Collins. I mean, 4-4-3-40, 37 and a half vertical league, 
10-2 broad, 6.71 three-cone, which is anything under seven or 6.9 for receiver is pretty darn good. He opted out this past year, never quite became the star at Michigan, but I think this is somebody with very, very underrated upside. Yeah, and, and you know, God, I, I'm going to run through a couple names that we've talked about a bunch already. Um, you know, she Smith or Shy Smith, Tutu Atwell. Those are guys we've talked about a bunch already leading up to this. They're guys I absolutely love in this draft. But one guy I want to talk about real quick, um, and really, I know I've made no secret of this. I'm ready to move on from Preston Williams. I want a, a 16 game wide receiver, uh, which or or more. If 17 games. More. 17 games. Sorry, that's going to take a little while. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of like kind of like saying where the Chargers are from at this point for me. Yep. Um, but you know, really, we want a 20 game wide receiver, not a five, six seven game wide receiver maybe and elijah cooks we're going deep on this one out of nevada um six foot four 215 makes all the catches preston williams does um and really is just flying under the radar a because of the depth of the class and b because of where he went to school it's he may let you move on from preston williams because the difference is he'll make that spectacular catch and then he'll get up from it and go back to the huddle, not the sideline. So it's you can move on from Preston Williams, do it late on day three, or possibly even undrafted with this guy. And if if you go out and you watch footage on Elijah Cooks, he is spectacular. He makes some crazy circus catches um, and, and really doesn't have a lot of drops out there. But going to Nevada, you're not going to get your day one notice very easily, especially in a deep wide receiver class. Yeah, it's I, is it, my only thing with Preston Williams is what would be the value in moving on from him? I mean, are you going to cut him to save six hundred grand? Uh, and given that he's you know had you know two season-ending injuries in a row, I don't see anybody trading for him. So I, I, that that that's where I struggle on. I'd rather just keep him on the bottom of the depth chart and hope that he can can just get on the field at some point. My, my thing with that is if you can replace him with somebody just as talented and, you know, for just as much or less that's going to be on your roster come December or, or your active roster come December, that's my thing. It, it's – I – Preston Williams is definitely talented, but he can't stay on the football field. So it's not about dollars and cents at that point. It's – he's occupying – yeah – He's only occupying six hundred grand in cap space, but you might as well just write his money down as dead cap. It's I don't have any faith he can stay on the field, and it's you know if we can only keep six wide receivers, we've got a pretty talented wide receiver room overall already that I think we're going to add to here, and I struggle with keeping that six wide receiver because if somebody else gets hurt, you know like. You, you've already got one of them's going to go down. Um, yeah, Williams, he may not. I mean, I, I think he would be battling for a roster spot uh, because and he can't play special teams. He gets hurt a lot. So, yeah, that that very well could be the case. I, I think he'll stay on the team uh, because I, I don't see the value in getting rid of him. But, uh, yeah, it's it's he's not a guarantee to make the roster, especially if if he, he, he especially if he loses a step he can't afford to lose. 
Uh, he's already not a very fast guy. He's pretty impressive. I mean, he's very impressive physically with his size, but yeah, that's I'm, I'm with you on that. So it'll be interesting to see how this receiver room shakes out because uh, depending on who they draft, that could determine the futures of Albert Wilson, of Jakeem Grant, of Alan Hearns. You know, I think we're in agreement of cutting Hearns, keeping Grant, and then we we may disagree slightly on Albert Wilson. I definitely I I, I don't see I don't see why Dolphins fans get that that excited about Albert Wilson. To be honest with you, because because of what he looked like coming into Miami before he got hurt, it's because of the fact that. You know, he basically ran the same route tree, even though he's a different style of player than Jarvis Landry, but got way more separation, um, you know, that last year in Kansas City. Um, it, it's he and he can move all over the field and he is a very big fit in that positionless offense. I think Miami's moving towards. Um, yeah. But if you are trying to move on from Jakeem Grant, a weird later option would be Amir Smith-Marset out of Iowa. Um He's unpolished completely. He's got speed. He's got maturity issues. He's not physical. He's not huge, but he can play special teams, and he, he's shown a lot of special moves uh, out there returning punts and kicks. Uh, and, you know, he can take the top off of defense while he figures out the rest of it. So that's a maybe. One guy that I really want to dive into, actually two guys I really want to dive into really quick, Jonathan Adams from Arkansas State. Um, it's he really wasn't much of anything, and then all of a sudden, as this past year, he came out. I think he had four games with over 130, 140 receiving yards. Uh, he had 12 touchdowns on the year. Uh, did it against some lesser competition, but he also got, did it against some some bigger schools, um, and he led Arkansas State to an upset as well. It, it's. Uh, and his PFF put out numbers. His his stats versus single coverage this season, he had 16 catches of 15 yards or more, 30 first downs and touchdowns, and 20 contested catches. Um, holy crap. I mean, it's... I think he had, yeah, 79 receptions, over 1,100 receiving yards. It's... He's somebody that really could translate to a special player that you're going to grab on day three. And then yeah. another guy is, is, if you're looking for yards after the catch, Kay Johnson out of South Dakota State. I, I, I'm not going to dive too far into his film on this because I know we're kind of running short on time here. But he put up insane numbers the past couple of years. Uh, it's The last two years he had, I think, 140 receptions for over 2,500 yards. 25 touchdowns. Um, yeah. He, yeah. He, yeah. Go, go oh, ahead. Oh, oh, yeah. Over the last two years, uh, 2019, 72 catches for over 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. 2018, 67 catches for 1,332 yards, nine, and 17 touchdowns. I, I would say with the, he, he's a very good separator. No, no doubt about that. He's very productive. I, I wonder at, at his size – is he really going to be, is that going to translate well, well to the NFL? I think, I think he'll go somewhere fourth, fifth round. You look at that Dolphins fifth round pick. If that were Kay Johnson, I don't think, I don't think that would be a bad pick because he can separate that to me is getting open as the most important part of being a wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. Jonathan Adams too. You look on, if you, if you just look on YouTube, there's a complete highlight reel of him just mossing people. Mm -hmm. I was surprised he came in at a little under six, two, but 
because he plays much bigger than that size. Um, a few other guys I have my eye on too. Austin Watkins, very smooth separator at his size uh, at, at 6'2", 207. Josh Palmer from Tennessee never had over 500 yards receiving, but looked great during Senior Bowl week. Gave Patrick Sertan the second problems too when they played. To Mary and Terry, you mentioned, he's fascinating. He, he has constant knee problems. Um, Not fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is somebody that, uh, it ran a four, four, seven and looked like a star back in 2019 before he got hurt again. He had a- almost 1200 yards receiving for Florida state has the physical skill set. Tyler Vaughn's is somebody who, uh, from USC opposite St. Brown. I think he's, he's a little interesting. He, um, he plays bigger than his size and his speed indicates we're only a four, six, two did seven bench press reps, but kind of springy in and out of routes, he can he can get some separation too. So in the later rounds, those are players that we would be uh, fascinated in. Did you so, say? Did you say seven bench press reps? Seven. Like sing, like there's not a one before it that just got erased by accident. Uh, Brian Mills, uh, the cornerback from NC State, who was at the Senior Bowl, he did two. Um, Come on. So we get when when we get to cornerbacks, I, mean, I could roll out of bed drunk and and Look. you know. I think if, do two two bench reps at two twenty five. I mean, if any player <laughs> does less than ten bench press reps, I don't see Flores wanting the guy. It's just like it, it's it's, and this is more for our listeners, but it's just Flores likes guys that work and are dedicated and love football, and you're not doing any of those things if you've hit the weight room so little since your freshman year of high school that you're doing two reps at 225 at that point yeah if, if you're five foot and a buck 40 he might he might let you get away with you know seven if you're special in another way but outside of being a punter you better throw up some reps um and yeah. by the way i apologize cat i have to do this because of jet hammer and using our super chat yes boogie basham we love him uh so anyway thank you jet yes <laughs> Finally, to let's wrap up here. Uh, one name that you that uh, at the tight end spot that's not Kyle Pitts that Yaboa, Kenny Yaboa. Yeah, he's a toolsy guy. Um, yeah, it, I, I don't see the Dolphins drafting a tight end. They've got f- four on the roster now, unless that guy is Kyle Pitts. Well, Tony Poljan from uh, Virginia played with Charlie Fry um, before he transferred to Virginia from Central Michigan. So he's somebody. When you look at those seventh-round picks, eh, you never know, but I don't see the Dolphins drafting a tight end. So that's going to wrap up tight end, uh, talking about them here today. So anyway, Paul, anything else? Any final words here before we wrap up? Yeah, just real quick on Yaboa. It's He's a guy I could see Miami grabbing um, undrafted even and stashing on their practice squad because he's got the special tools to be potentially the second-best tight end in this draft class if he develops. So I could see Miami grabbing him, stashing him on the practice squad, even if they take Kyle Pitts, because if, see, Yaboa would be the guy that maybe if they move on from Gesicki, if he can figure it out, and suddenly you've got your your two tight end set that can still do most of the same things. He's got the ability to do all the things that, that the top tight ends we've seen over the past couple of years have done. It's just, yeah, he's lazy. Eh, yeah, it's he's tools. He's got long arms and everything. I think he's development and Able to be developed, I should say. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for a breakdown of the pass catchers. 
here. We're going to get right back at it with the running backs here tomorrow. So be sure to check us out in the evening, 7.30 Central time-ish. Um, and you can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets. Also, finfanatic.com and the fan-sided network. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.